What's going on, guys? Welcome on back to Second and Short and our Fantasy Cheap Seats podcast. We provide you guys fantasy and dynasty football clarity from way up here in the cheap seats. I am Tyler Lauder, joined with the fantasy expert, Jason. Hey, what's going on, man? Just uh, enjoying what an exciting week one we had. Uh, I've, I have, it, it, this is probably just because like uh, recency bias, but I have never seen a football week start and end on fire like it did. And it was fantastic to watch. Real quick, recap. With your redraft and your dynasty leagues, how well did you do this week? Uh, out of 26 leagues, I went 19-7. All of my wins came in dynasty leagues. All of my losses came in uh, redraft leagues, uh, except for two. I think I, I, think I got two wins uh, in in redraft. Uh, the rest were dynasty wins. No redraft wins this week. None. Well, hey, that's right, though. That's still a good week. Uh, positive, and we talk about how important it is to win your week one matchup. Um, I myself, uh, I went nine and four in my 13 leagues, uh, split in my redraft. I only do two redraft leagues, and all my dynasty leagues did pretty well. All my themed leagues that we talked about, that's where I had all my struggles in. I lost in like, I, I even had a league that I'm rebuilding in. I took over an orphan, it's free for this year and next year. And this guy, um, accepted my trade during the Monday night football game of me sending away Josh Jacobs because I'm rebuilding. So I'm like, let's just fire sell everything. He doesn't accept my offer until during the game. So Josh Jacobs fantasy points puts me in the lead to where I'm winning in a league. I'm supposed to be rebuilding in, but thankfully Leatherwood, the, the new rookie offensive lineman for the Raiders goes off sides, prevents the field goal from coming out in overtime. Derek Carr throws a touchdown. I lose by 0.5 fantasy points and my rebuild can start. It's a weird, like happy success, but, but I'm all about, if I'm going to rebuild and I'm going to try and like tank, I'm starting my best lineup and my lineup like overshot its projection by like 35 points. And that's the only reason why I had a chance of winning. So, but let's go ahead and let's start with some dynasty review, fantasy football review of week one. And we're going to talk about some unsung heroes, some surprises. And so, Jason, go ahead and give us your first surprise or unsung hero for week one. And yes, uh, mine you can be a homer. Yes, mine is going to be a homer. And the reason why it's going to be a homer, because this guy has been written off in a lot of leagues. And I'm sure that he rode the bench in a lot of leagues. And that's Sterling Shepard, who went seven of nine for 113 yards, one touchdown with 24.3 points. Uh, and I, started him out of necessity uh i the two leagues i have in him my wide receivers are shit like legit sterling shepherd is my wide receiver one that's how bad my receiver i'm good across the board everywhere else but nobody wants to trade me for a wide receiver i've got you know running backs on my bench that are accumulating points that could be in somebody's starting lineup but yeah i'm, I'm going to be a homer i i I think week one is is allowed to be a homer, right? No, I, I think so. I, I mean, I, the pick isn't bad. Even being a homer is not even a bad pick because uh, he did see nine targets this week. We saw Saquon Barkley, who we're going to talk about later in the show, spoiler alert, who only had 10 carries for 26 yards. They couldn't get anything off the ground working. Uh, and then we see, you know, um, 
Evan Ingram's out for the game. Uh, Slayton was, Darius Slayton was dealing with an injury earlier in the week, so we didn't know how that was going to play coming into the game. But overall, he came through in a game that they were losing and had to try and come back. And he was Daniel Jones, Mr. Reliable. And it shows here, and it's not just like, oh, he caught a touchdown, which is another guy we'll talk about later. And like, that's why he had a good week. You could take away his touchdown, and he still dropped 18 fantasy points for you. And he was only projected yeah. to get like 11, 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, I think he was projected right on that cusp of 11. And, you know, like I said, he, I think they moved him into a more comfortable position by playing him in the slot since the addition of Gall- Galladay. Uh, I think that is where he, he will thrive uh, in that offense, and it will help Jones as well. But I, I think that we do, you know, have to taper that. Um, he's not going to be an every week start, unless necessity. But yeah, I mean, I was I was pleased to see him see him produce uh, the twenty four point three points that I got off of him in the two leagues that I had him in my lineup. Yeah, at at age twenty eight, he almost is looking like a guy that's going to take the back seat because they go out and sign Galladay, uh, they go and add. They go on, it's not really add, but I mean, they kind of tailored their backup running back group. Barkley's back and healthy. We think Daniel Jones is going to be a guy that can potentially step up this year, but with so many weapons around, it's hard for me to say, yeah, go out and start any of these offensive weapons outside of Barkley for the Giants. Now, another unsung hero, my guy here, is running back Jamal Williams for the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions had no right being involved in this game. And they, they, almost, they almost came back to tie this game, which I would have been okay with, even though the 49ers were like my lock of the week, like guaranteed to win. Yeah. I was rooting for Detroit while watching that game. Now, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, they both come in and uh, Swift gets 11 carries. Jamal Williams gets nine. But Jamal Williams has a bigger impact as he gets uh, 54 rushing yards and actually caps off a touchdown as well. Where DeAndre Swift's 39. Then we go into the passing game, and Jamal Williams receives nine targets, and DeAndre Swift receives 11. So identical. So we're looking at 18 to 22 total touches or targets and touches, which to me tells me that this is more of a running back by committee split between the two than it actually is Swift show Williams fall second. And for me, I mean, a guy that comes in and is able to get 110 total yards, eight receptions, a touchdown, good for 25.2 fantasy points in PPR standards, he's a type of guy that I feel like should be sitting in your flex spot almost every week due to his high volume in the passing game. And everybody kind of slept on this because, I mean, the coaching staff came out in training camp and was very vocal about it's going to be a very, very even split between these two because Jamal Williams, he, he backed up Aaron uh, Jones in Green Bay uh, for several years. He was a contributor. He was, you know, that flex wide uh, running back too that you could throw in there that, you know, if their starter went down, he would step up, be a, be a, uh, a low-level RB2 that you could start every week. And people, like, kind of dismissed it, thinking, well, Swift is so much better. Jamal Williams 
definitely outperformed his expectations. Uh, and he, he's going to be consistent in that role, I believe. Uh, because the Lions was scored like 17 points in the last two minutes, which was insane. And he was a big part of that. Yeah, he was. And a big thing here is that we have to look at is the fact that Jamal Williams got the goal line work, and that's the key here, and that's going to continue. So Unsung Heroes surprises for week one just a little bit is Sterling Shepard and Jamal Williams. Look for these guys to be mainstays on rosters going forward, but probably be able to be played in that flex position more often than not. Now, we'll do Unsung Heroes and surprises in a couple of weeks. We'll do it again. This segment will rotate. But let's jump into the meat and potatoes of every episode. And that is going to be our fantasy focus, where, yes, I know, and you've probably heard that term on many platforms, but our thing is talking about overreactions in the fantasy world. And let's just kind of focus back on up and not get carried away. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with the conspiracy at quarterback for our first overreaction that we can tell people to calm down on. Yeah, and this is what was really surprising me is because I've actually, in a couple of leagues, had people vocally state that Rodgers is done, that he got pulled for love to get looked at to become the uh, week two starter, which I was thought was very laughable because, I mean, you're talking about a multi-time MVP of the league, the current MVP of the league. It's, it's funny to even think that when in hindsight, what actually happened was New Orleans came out and smacked Green Bay in the mouth. And, you know, the coaching staff was like, okay, can we risk our franchise quarterback in a meaningless game that he's going to get hurt in and we lose him for the rest of the season? Or can we just lick our wounds, get love some work, get in, get that in there? So in case something does happen, he has game experience. I'm going to go with the latter because he, Rodgers is cemented in, in as the QB one in Green Bay. If anybody debates that, please at me because I would love to have that discussion with you. Yeah, I, I think that this is a huge overreaction. I think two things happened. I think the Saints came in very prepared for Green Bay, knowing that they had to make a big statement without Drew Brees around. Sean Payton has to have this emphasis of like, it's not just the Brees show. Like I was, I was there the whole time too. <laughs> and they got the, like you said, they smacked Green Bay in the mouth really early. They went up 17-3 at half. And going into the fourth quarter, it's 24-3. The game's almost over at that time. Rodgers was 15 for 28, good for 133 yards. That's 4.8 yards an attempt. He had two interceptions, got sacked. His QBR was a 13.4, and his rating was a 36.8. <laughs> now, here's the problem. Jordan Love comes in, goes five for seven, 68 yards, has a better QBR and quarterback rating, but it was probably also against other backups for the Saints as well. Some of you need to tone back a little bit. So our thing is don't overreact on this. If you drafted Aaron Rodgers in, I don't know, probably like what, seventh to 10th round, wherever he was going, as your quarterback one for the year, you just ran into a Saints team that is better than we were giving them credit for. We assume with Drew Brees being gone, the Saints weren't going to be that good. But uh, last time I checked, Brees didn't play defense for the Saints last year. So this defense, that is a quality defense, was just prepared. And Aaron Rodgers will have a huge bounce back. I mean, they get Detroit in week two. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers is the QB1 in all of fantasy next week. Moving on to running back. Ezekiel Elliott is dead. He's dead. You know, he couldn't run against Tampa Bay. They couldn't get anything going. Hold up a second. Zach Martin was out. Tampa Bay is really fucking good at run defense. If you just were watching that game, Vitavea was all over the inside of the, the offensive line for the Cowboys. He literally owned them and was just doing whatever he wanted with them. And that's including without recording a statistical stat line at all in that game. He was just fantastic. The Buccaneers are great. Zeke had a game that was difficult. And you know what? He had at the beginning of the season. And the one big thing that I see overreaction is everybody going, go out and buy him low. Buy him cheap right now. If you have Zeke, do not sell him. Do not, because you're going to get the leftovers from somebody's food tray at lunch. That's it, because they don't want it. And you want to get something out of it. Don't fall for this. Yeah, and also you got to take into the fact that offense passing-wise was humming. Uh, Cooper and Dak came out. I think Dak came out to have something to prove because of the ankle injury and the shoulder injury that we've seen, you know, highly publicized on hard knocks and everything. You know, he had to come out and make those statements. So I, and once they got the, throwing the ball over the field, that became a shootout. Um, and Dallas, I don't think Dallas was really is, they're not a time management team. They're not built for time management. They have some holes in that defense, the secondary that you want to run the ball, but you're facing Tampa Bay. You're facing Brady. You're facing a tremendous wide receiver core. Don't sell Zeke. Zeke is going to be okay. He's going to be a top tier running back one. He's going to lead you deep in your playoff run uh, as long as you surround him with uh, other talent. But yeah, like you said, don't be just selling him over uh, faltering. Yeah, and I, I think just the biggest takeaway from this is, is that the Dallas Cowboys, like you said, had to compete in, in, a, in, a, in a shootout. Tampa Bay's got so many weapons that they were able to control the game pretty much on the pace that they wanted against Dallas's defense. The Dallas kind of had to go away from running the ball. They only had 18 rushing attempts in the game. With Zeke getting 11, Colin Pollard only had four. So I'm not really worried about him taking any touches away from Zeke. Uh, if anything, Dak threw the ball 58 times. What do you expect? Do you expect them to throw it almost 60 times plus them to have about 30 like rushes? That's not going to happen. So in a game that wasn't tailored to running because it wasn't supposed to be, Zeke didn't do well like he wasn't going to do. So don't overreact on this, but let's move on. Let's talk about a guy that nobody was talking about, a wide receiver that had two touchdowns and now is going to be a top waiver wire ad and everybody's going to spend all their fab on this guy that is probably a wide receiver three to four at best. And that's Zach Pascal. Yeah. And this is one that I actually seen somebody blow their fab on uh, their entire load on earlier when they didn't even need a wide receiver. And this guy, he, yes, he got two touchdowns. And this goes back to a conversation we've had on previous episodes, pay attention to your stat lines. He was not even the top target guy on the team. He was a tar targeted wide receiver, but the two running backs had more targets uh, out of the backfield than he did as a wide receiver. 
That shows something right there. And the fact that, yes, he did score two touchdowns. Okay. But he only had like 46 yards total, total receiving. Yeah. You got to taper those expectations. Yeah. You're going to get that, those vulture points, but look at your stat line before you go out and waste all your fab before you, you know, give up at priority on the waiver wire. Um, taking somebody that you're just going to stash because he's not a player worth stashing unless you're absolutely desperate in need of a, of a flex position or a um, streaming position in that wide receiver receiver uh, spot when you do have the bye weeks coming up. But even then the, the, the idea that I am already hearing people going, forget about Michael Pittman. He's dead in the water. He didn't do nothing. And you know, uh, Hilton's hurt and this run game is like, it's okay. But Zach Pascal is the number one option there. Hold up. Carson Wentz is going to use whoever he wants to use. Probably the running backs a lot. He likes to use safety nets more than he uses anybody else in Philly. It was the tight ends here in Indy. It's the running backs who are better pass catchers. I really don't think that Zach Pascal is going to score this many fantasy points in any week going forward i think a lot of people are going to waste their their money right now um if you can if, if he clears waivers and you don't have to worry about fab and you can pick him up for free sure put him on your roster stash him but i would stash to trade is what i would do i'm not sitting here thinking that this guy is going to blow up be a top 20 point score every week no way get out of your minds the running backs dominate there and carson wentz is unpredictable when it comes to his wide receivers receiving targets and this goes back to something that you pointed out uh, and that you're, you're very good at. I'll, I'll actually give you credit in our league uh, is because you do have, have the ability to stash people. You get that fab, you get that waiver wire priority and you kind of look at other teams that may be targeted them and you can flip him, which is something, you know, you talk about all the time, sell high. This is a perfect example to grab a player that is a hot commodity coming out of week one that everybody's in love with and going through and flipping him for maybe a future second, uh, a better, you know, packaging some and getting those future picks, especially if you're rebuilding. I am the Gary V of dynasty football. I will buy and sell and flip and trade. And I don't care if, if I, if I have pick up Zach Pascal for practically nothing at this garage sale and I can turn around and package him with my fourth round pick and get somebody else's second, just to move up 15 to 20 spots. If he blows up and is a top 30 wide receiver for the next three years, I'm okay to lose on that because I moved up in draft position because it's a coin flip for me. I, he's either going to blow up and I'm going to be like, man, I should have kept him or he's going to fall back down to the waiver wires of next year. I'll pick him up again when he has a big game and I'll flip him again. And that's what I like to do. But let's talk about one more guy. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. And he has a, he has a sad, not really us, but everybody that drafted him is, you know, the number four tight end and get him in your fourth round. And this is what, uh, I love about this is because, you know, you talk about the Zeke thing earlier about people wanting to sell him low over week one of his rookie season 
you know, and, and I, it's comical. Um, this is a kid who is dripping with athleticism. His first actual NFL start. Yes, he was four of eight on receptions. That's given. I mean, what wide receiver has came into the league their first game and showed out? It takes a learning curve. I mean, you know, um, we heard the comical line of, well, it's harder to judge these balls because it doesn't have the white lines on it, like college does. Yeah, and, you know, and it comes at you a little bit faster. Uh, and you've got very large individuals looking at me, not taking anything away from Kyle Pitt's athleticism. You got to taper expectations. This is why I, I love people in rookie drafts and redrafts having such high rookie fever. Redrafts is where you're going to capitalize on this because he has a bad game and you can start talking, get in people's ear and be like, well, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't that good. Yeah, he might not be your tight end one, but midseason, and you know, I'm not a, and you listen to previous shows, I'm not a, a, a Kyle Pitts truther, but I do under, I do have my expectations. He's not going to be, he's going to be a good streamlined flex down the road once he acclimates into the, the league and into that offense. So, yeah, hold tight. Uh, don't sell him low unless, unless you're in a league with me and I'm trying to get him. Then, Sell him low as possible. I mean, I'll throw, I'll give you just about anybody you want in my wide receiver three range uh, for him. And, you know, and I'll be happy to let him sit on my bench to get his feet wet and then plug him into my flex position uh, week six and reap the benefits. Yeah, and he's going to bounce back. The Atlanta Falcons looked horrendous against Philadelphia Eagles. Nothing was working. Nothing was going. Matt Ryan looked bad. He was my start of the week at quarterback, and I had no idea the Atlanta Falcons were going to do that bad against the Philadelphia Eagles or that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to do that well against the Atlanta Falcons. Either way, I didn't expect either of those things to happen. I thought it was going to be a shootout. Now, here's the reason why we're saying don't panic. He received eight targets in his first NFL game as a tight end. That says something. Yeah, sure, he didn't convert them all. Yeah, he only had like 40, I don't know, 48 yards or whatever, 50, less than 50 yards. But he did have a nice 18-yard reception. Uh, he was able to show that he can work underneath and kind of get those chunk yards. Um, but I, I really, eight targets is a huge thing here. He saw a lot of playtime. His snap count was high. This is a guy that is probably going to bounce back. Don't panic. Don't sell him. If you can buy him, not a bad idea. Maybe you have Tyler Higby, and you're like, hey, let's do a little swap. This guy's scoring touchdowns. Your guy isn't. That's not going to work, but I'm just saying. It doesn't hurt to try. Maybe for some reason you have Jawan Johnson on your team or anything, or Noah Font might be a switch you can make where you can upgrade your tight end because Noah Font had a better week. And that is our fantasy focus overreactions for week one. We'll be back next week to focus you guys back in here on fantasy and just not overreact as much. Now, one more, one more segment before we get out of here. Let's give some bold takes for week two. Jason, go ahead and kick us off. What is your bold take? For week two. And remember, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, the salsa might not be that spicy, but it's got a little hit. And that's okay. But it could be very spicy. These bold takes don't matter. It's whatever we want. The heat. Hit us up, though. Yours is kind of, yours is kind of spicy. 
mine's kind of spicy. Mine also made, made me get heartburn and puke in my mouth a little bit, you know, because I'm actually giving not only a division rival uh, kudos and predicting him being a QB three or better this week and week two. I'm eating crow along with it uh, because I am not, I, I've spoke out against him. I wasn't real high on him in, in the preseason toward the end of last season. And that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think he magically, I don't know what he done with his offseason regiment, but he looks like a totally different quarterback um, than what we've seen last year in limited play. Yeah, I mean, he's got a different swagger than he had last. Leads me to believe that he's ready to take that next step into a pretier quarterback. And I think, you know, I think he's going to get a San Francisco team this week that got kind of hit in the mouth by a Lions team that didn't have a lot of weapons. That Philadelphia does uh, got a lot more weapons. And I think he's going to take advantage of that. I'm looking for big things this week. You know, it, it is totally possible. And he finishes the quarterback six this past week. And we could probably argue that if the Atlanta Falcons were somewhat of a competent NFL franchise this week, that he probably could have scored more if they were kind of competing with them. Now, the upset that he has here going against San Francisco that Jared Goff doesn't is his mobility. And I think that's something that he didn't really have to, like, he didn't have to have any rushing yards to have a successful game in week one. I think he might have to in week two to kind of have that successful game. But we're looking at if you're going to be a top three quarterback, I'm not saying that this is going to be the same as last week, but you got to score 30 fantasy points. And that is not easy, especially when he's only projected to get, you know, in the 20s, early 20s. But totally capable. I like the take. Now, okay, now I had a bold take, but I'm going to kind of almost retract it because this comes, you know, this, this is Thursday Night Football. And this podcast drops Thursday. So if you're listening to this, after Thursday, it's not really a bowl. I don't know. You, it's already, you can already see. There's no anticipation. But um, Saquon Barkley is going to finish outside the top 20 running backs for the second consecutive week in fantasy. Now, he doesn't have a favorable matchup with the Washington football team, but I just think he's going to start off slow, and we're going to start seeing him sit on benches, and then he's going to pop off here in week three or four. Oh, man, that hurts. That's like a dagger to my heart. I mean, you know. I start off with the homerism and you, you put me up on cloud nine, get my hopes up. Let me talk about Shepard and everything. And then you hit me with something like, yes, I mean, that, that, that hurts. That, that definitely hurts. That, that stings a little bit, but I, I'm right there with you. I think they're still trying to easy men. Um, you know, an ACL injury is, is something to be taken serious, especially when he's your franchise running back. And facing a Washington team that is a stout front line uh, to run against that has some big bodies that clog up holes and the Giants having the, the woes they do on the offensive line. I could definitely see this, this being true. I don't, I'm not hating on you for it. I, I, I can get on board with that because of the matchup and the, the line that, New York has, and I think they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to rely, have to rely more on Jones' arm than Saquon's legs. My bold prediction that is going to be a little bit hotter. It's going to be on Sunday, so we can actually review. Los Angeles Chargers, Dallas Cowboys. Now, we kind of can say this is probably going to be a shootout. 
So that's where this prediction comes in. So Keenan Allen's probably going to finish in the top 15 among our wide receivers. That's probably fair. Uh, Austin Eckler's probably going to finish as an RB1. But I think that Mike Williams will also finish as a top 20 wide receiver this week. So that means they're going to have two top 20 wide receivers and a top 10 running back all in the same fantasy week against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is a little bit different than last week because Tampa Bay didn't have a top 10 running back against the Dallas Cowboys. So that's where my bold take is at, that Mike Williams is going to pop off again because I think this season is Mike Williams coming out party. I like it. Uh, I, I like Mike Williams. I think that his injury history is what has gave him the ceiling that he has and lets people sleep on him because he is a little injury prone. But I think the kid has talent, and he proved it this past week. Herbert likes targeting. Uh, he's a very great complimentary wide receiver opposite of Keenan Allen, and I think he could take that next step. That is a little spicy. I mean, you know, that's like mango habanero spicy in my opinion, but mm. I like it. It's I, little, I like it's it. Sweet, it's a little Bring hot, the heat. But... And that's going to do it for us here on Second and Short and the Cheap Seats. Hopefully, potentially, we have provided you guys some fantasy and dynasty clarity from way up here in the Cheap Seats when it's all murky and you're overreacting and there's fires everywhere after week one. Or maybe you're bragging like that guy on TikTok that says he's the best ever because he plays in five redraft leagues, whatever. Whatever it is, hopefully we got some clarity for you guys. Now, be sure to follow us. All of our social media outlets are below us right here. TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There's something a little bit different everywhere. Facebook is kind of the home for it all. We also have a second and short podcast.com where you can get everything collected as well. And go ahead and hit us up on Jason's Twitter where he's going to answer some of your guys' trade questions and maybe some start sit. What's your Twitter at? Uh, that would be at TZLEY822. Uh, just look for the second and short logo. Hit me up, slide in those DMs. Any trade questions, sit start questions, be more than happy to answer. And definitely down below, if you're watching on YouTube right now, subscribe, hit that like button. Give us your start sit questions down below because that's what everybody's asking. Give us your trade questions down below. Give us your waiver ad questions down below. Anything. We might not have the right answers, but hopefully we can provide a little bit of clarity that will lead you to the right answer. And like I said, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening, and you guys have a good day.